0: Sometimes keeping a commitment can feel like the hardest thing you've had to do or are doing. Both Tara and I came up against that in our most recent podcast recording when we both woke up wishing that we could find it in ourselves to reschedule. I was not feeling well because the day before and the day before that, I had been experiencing uh, stomach issues. It was just frustrating and exhausting. But then when I got on my call with Tara, I found out that she had injured her back and was also in a similar place. And that we both felt that it was our commitment to each other that had brought us to a, a decision and an agreement that the most we would end up doing on this day, or at least for me, was to get to my conversation, finish my conversation, and know that I had kept up my agreement with someone else who not only I depended on, but who was now depending on me as well. But while that might be challenging and feel like the hardest thing that you have to do in the moment, there can be equally challenging decisions or actions that can be more difficult in the moment or while you're attempting them than they might normally be if you were just hearing them or thinking about them in a sort of off-handed way or even more in a philosophical which is a a good word to use because the thing we were talking about today is about the challenge of change and how At points in your life, you're going to know something about yourself that you either want to improve, or you want to remove, or you want to do something about, and in order to do that, you have to make changes, and making those changes can be difficult, not just for you, but for the people around you. So I was really excited when I received a message from Tara about this idea and about the points that she wanted to cover. And after a brief introduction explaining how we were both not feeling that well, uh, we moved into a discussion where I essentially asked her to, to take the lead. And she did this amazing job of starting out with an idea and following through with these great points of discussion that I really enjoyed and that I felt were extremely valuable. That was just a car driving by. And that while we were talking about them, I was not only um, experiencing the challenge just through the discussion, but also that I was experiencing the uh, the kind of sense of inspiration that we both believed these conversations can lead to. We were working without a script, without a uh, larger design or plan, because the focus was on this main idea, which I really enjoyed, Tara. Um, bringing forward and some supporting points that allowed us to make this as much of a free form and raw conversation as possible. And I'm looking forward to just how many more there will be coming from that place of inspiration. For now, let's get started with uh, our introduction and the beginnings of this conversation about, well, about change. And now we're going to take a quick break to pay some bills with this word from our sponsor. Hey, Seth. Hey, good morning, Tara. How are you?
1: I'm good. How are you?
0: I'm doing okay. I've actually been uh, a little under the weather. I'm just going to be honest. Uh, oh my
1: gosh, I'm feeling the same way. That's <laughs> so funny. I woke up and I was like, oh no.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it just happens. I, uh, I had a really good massage on Friday as a gift from my wife. Um, went to this local uh, National Institutes of Health. And I don't know if it was something about getting the toxins moving that day or the fact that the next day we went to the local uh, horse races and... Our friends decided they didn't want to go up to the nice nicer cuisine turf club. So we kinda of had okay. stand food and it was like hot dogs and pretzels. I don't know which the two is, but it just messed up my belly, had me getting up in the middle of the night. And just feeling like, you know, bloated and yucky. And yeah, yeah, it just happens.
1: Oh, Oh, that sucks. (laughs) Yeah,
0: it's totally messing with like the time I've been trying to spend on editing. Because, you know, you just lay in there like, nope, my body doesn't want to do anything except be horizontal. Mm -hmm. And and wait for this all to just resolve itself.
1: (laughs) That's right. Oh, no. (laughs) But we showed up. Exactly.
0: We both made it. We both, you know, we're like, okay, look. Part of the deal is we're talking about self-acceptance, so if we're going to talk about it, we might as well do our best to live it. You know, that's right. And if we can live it in front of others, then that can be a way of saying, "Hey, in this conversation, we want to kind of tear down a little of those things that might separate us from each other." And if mm-hmm. you know, you find it's more comfortable to connect with us, knowing a little bit more about us, you know, and just kind of the the honest day to day then uh, more than happy to provide that because it gives us a chance to practice that ourselves.
1: Exactly. And I think, you know, I I know this morning when I woke up, um, I woke up and I was like, Oh crap. And for me, one of the hardest things to admit is if I have pain in my body, like I pride myself for being someone who doesn't have, you know, arthritis or knee pain and being 35 and, um, last week, I started um, a new fitness program for myself. I like to cycle in four-week um, stints, and this four-week stint was uh, doing HIT. And um, I had done a half marathon um, that I was not fully trained for. And because of that, I created some unnecessary hamstring strain. And I didn't give myself adequate time to rest and to really regain, you know, um, correct um, flexibility. And I just went into this HIIT training and I was doing burpees, of course. Mm -hmm. And there was one moment where I did a burpee and I knew right then and there, shit, (laughs) I just screwed my back up. And so I've only experienced back pain me four times in my life. This is the fourth Mm. and I hate it and it's draining. And I am in a place where it's like, okay. So I woke up and I knew the best thing to do was to talk myself out of texting you and saying, (laughs) Hey, can we reschedule? (laughs) You know, like, and that's the truth. Like that, that's the honest to God truth. And you know, anything, you know, if you experience any sort of pain in your body, it's, it's draining you know, so it may not be a cold or a stomach issue, but it's, it's draining mentally and physically. And I was like, no, this is part of showing up. So
0: appreciate that. Yeah. And uh, you know, I, I think we can both relate to, I, I suffered a a back injury, a work related one actually took me about two years to recover from, um, ended up being like a lot of, all the muscles around certain areas near my back and lower back and sciatica. And, um, they, you know, they couldn't diagnose through CT or MRI because mostly it was these weird muscle tears and groupings of like nodding and took a, a really long time to to recover from. And it, it kind of oh. taught me again of the pain I experienced with my knee. You know that oh that's right when you're in pain it it drains you it just.
1: It does. You know, your
0: body's trying to heal itself, which requires energy one. so then if you ask anything mm-hmm. more on top of it, you're asking it to do work while trying to heal itself. So it's just multiplying the amount of energy yeah. being expended. <laughs> you know, and and it's uh. it's exhausting. Um, it is. <laughs> it's it uh, is. I think it's one of the reasons why um, you'll get a kick out of this. I've had a recent interview I'm gonna put up soon with a guy named Jack Katz. He's 91 years old. He's a comic book artist. And he said in every conversation he's had, and he's a very independent, free-thinking artist, too. He teaches art at Albany uh, Community College here in California. You know, what? we haven't pointed that out. Um, I'm, I'm from California, Oakland side. Uh, and Tara <laughs> is actually reaching out to us from Minnesota.
1: Yes, yes. I'm just north of the Twin Cities, Minneapolis area, about 45 minutes.
0: Awesome. Um, Yeah, just to give you a little perspective of what we're doing to (laughs) accomplish this conversation. We're willing to reach across time zones. We're willing to, you know, map each other's schedules in order to to make this thing happen. Um, But just really quick back to this guy, He, he said something that I've heard, you know, it was kind of interesting to hear someone with his experience in life history. To say, yeah, you know, doctors tell me when I really get them down to the nitty gritty of uh, what's going on. And he says, they, they more often tell me than not, the body heals itself. We, we give it the ingredients to help treat, you know, whatever the condition that's arisen, you know, and mostly we're treating the symptoms. But in so many ways, you know, you give the body what it needs, time and rest, and it can heal itself mm-hmm. with so much. And uh, I, I think that's been a, a big Attempt at a lesson, you know, trying to always remember that when I'm not feeling good, I can do so many things to try and make it feel better. And at some point, it's going to get better during a certain amount of time. (laughs) And it's not not dictated by me.
1: (laughs) Exactly. There it is. Exactly. There it is. (laughs) There
0: it is. And I'm actually going to let you take the lead on this a little bit today, because after our conversation, Tara sent me this great message uh, with an idea um, for how to pick up with our second talk. And I really liked her ideas. I've got some supporting information that I think will be fun to share as we go through it, just because uh, a few uh, serendipitous things occurred after I received her message, but huh. uh, yeah, you're going to like how this goes. This will be a little fun. Cool. Um, but I, cool. I wanted you to kind of start out with what you had been thinking when you sent me the message and, and where you'd like to kind of start that that idea that, well, the series of ideas that you were talking about, all having to do sure. with uh, our ability to, well, you can take it from there, our ability.
1: Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think um, – One of the reasons why I sent this message to Seth is because it is something deep within my core. So here it is. It takes courage to change your beliefs and that we all have permission to change our mind anytime we want. Um, And I think this notion of changing our mind anytime we want as adults is frowned upon in our society. So for example, with my own personal pursuits, you know, I worked as a paralegal and had a, you know, a cushy salary as a paralegal, great benefits. And um, the long and the short of it is after working, you know, 10 plus years in, in the legal industry, I was miserable. I was depressed and it took almost, not almost, it took an inner revolution of changing my belief system to live in accordance with what I believed in, what I, um, what I stand for and what I don't stand for. And I think A lot of people, especially people who come to me seeking advice or answers or solutions, um, are experiencing this type of inner conflict, right? They are living a certain way in their life, and um, deep down they know it's not right. And they want to change their mind. They want to change their beliefs, but they're afraid to do so. So, for example, I think a lot of us are... um, we're afraid to admit to others or even ourselves that our beliefs have changed. And, and it can be something as simple as, you know, for example, let's, let's talk about um, diet. Um, I grew up in a house where um, we didn't have a lot of money. So um, we, we didn't eat the most nutritious foods out there. Um, and, and I know that happens, and there's no right, there's no wrong. But as I, you know, in as I got older, I, I was living on my own as you know a twenty year old. I'd wake up in the morning and I'd slam a diet coke. You know, by the time it was noon, I had three diet cokes. By the time it was six p.m., it was three diet cokes, and I s- came to the conclusion that this is just junk that I'm feeding my body. Right, but then um, the conflict arises when you go back to hang out with your friends, maybe even your family members who also partake in this type of habit. You know, they they um, build their daily routine maybe on certain habits, including drinking soda. I know this is kind of I don't want to say a poor uh, example, but Here's the example. So when you're, not, you're around other people who are still engaging in this type of habit and they believe it to be okay, and you come and you show up and they're like, hey, you want a Diet Coke? And you're like, no, I'm not drinking anymore. It immediately creates distance between you and the other person. Now our, our psyches immediately default to, whoa, you're not with me right? Whoa, what are you doing? You're doing something out of the norm. What is going on? And that creates inner conflict with the other person. And they might start behaving differently. So if we take that same example, and you say, you know what, Um, working in the corporate world, my example, uh, my own experience working in the corporate world is no longer serving me. I didn't want to wake up. When I was 30, depressed and having to go to a job that didn't inspire me. However, this is not a rant about quitting your job and following your dreams mm-hmm. and just living recklessly because there's so much garbage out there about that. Um, but when I decided to make that big shift and say, you know what, I'm going to um, I'm gonna make a big leap because I'm not, I'm not happy and I'm going to at least try. It immediately creates conflict with other people who are adhering to this system of beliefs that they show up to their nine to five job. And now you're challenging it, right? Mm. So it creates this conflict within them. It creates this conflict because they identify with what they are doing. And now you are not part of the herd. You are not part of the tribe and not being part of the tribe or the herd or going with the masses That's dangerous. And back in caveman time um, when we lived really dependently on others, you know, if someone didn't go with the tribe with the norm, it was seen as dangerous because it could possibly um, negatively impact the future of others. You know, we no longer live like that, but... That conditioning is still there. So I think it's really important to really assess, um, you know, if you're experiencing inner conflict and does that come from your beliefs? Is it because you're rooted in something um, that you believe in, but you really don't? You know, a great question from Daniel Laporte's book, White Hot Truth is, you know, what did you used to believe in that you now think is ridiculous, right? And and to summarize a quick paragraph, you know, it takes courage to change your beliefs because beliefs are so intertwined with people around us. We are, again, back to this caveman mentality. We're accepted or we're even rejected based on our beliefs. And beliefs keep our private world in order, right? They change your you change what you believe and you change your life. That's the essence. But my whole thing is, is that if, if we continue to age and with age comes compounded life experience and with compounded life experience, should our beliefs not change? Wouldn't you think that's normal? I mean, um, I think that's normal and I don't think that is the normal, um, group think that many of um, people, people in our lives um, think. So um, that in itself is um, challenging. <laughs> but yeah, so now Seth, I, I'm i curious because, you know, before our last episode, we had um, some great email exchanges really clarifying what we wanted to talk about. And we had a practice run and then we re-recorded. So this is really... organic, raw conversation that we both have no idea where it's going to go.
0: I agree. Um, Which is
1: cool, (laughs) you know, Um, but you know, that's, that's my long and the short. If we just keep things, um, I don't want to say superficial, but maybe just laying the foundation to expand upon.
0: Yes. I, I mean, I think that leaves with such a foundation, that leaves us a lot of opportunities to explore, um, more than just one part of this. Um, So the first thing that came to mind when I read your email was um, the great Walt Whitman quote from Song of Myself. And uh, I wanted to reference it just so I could make sure, but near the end, it's in the last two pages, like page 52. He says this famous line and so many have used it since he says, do I contradict myself? Well, very well then I contradict myself. And then in parentheses, it says, I am large. I contain multitudes. And that was the first thing that came to me. Um, That was my first instinct when I read your email was, wow, how Whitman-esque. How, you know, clear to say, of, of course, there's a possibility. Of course, it could be happening now. And if it is happening now, then, well, of course, it's a contradiction. If it's different, that's what changes. And if mm-hmm. one of the things that we're talking about is the process of recognizing, well, once you recognize something, yes, it's good to accept things that, you know, are harder to do something about when it comes to the the physical limits of what your full height will be uh, once you reach, you know, your final growing stage or other factors that you simply have no control over, your natural hair color, um, your natural eye color, things like this, where you're like, okay, this is part of my you know, foundational self, this is part of what I recognize. There's also going to be parts that you're going to recognize that you're going to want to change. And based on what you recognize, you probably should change and should be willing to change, Um, both based on how it affects you and how it affects others. But I love the idea that you started with something simple, like a nutritional choice, like cutting out soda, whether it's diet soda Mm -hmm. or regular soda. And starting with this idea of Yeah, it's going to create friction with anyone who said, wait, I thought we were in this together. Right. And, you know, that's Mm -hmm. so often a shared mentality. And you you did a great job by dialing back in history a bit, you know, talking about when as a hunter-gatherer society, everyone depended on everyone else. And because it was such a fragile system of survival, it was like each member of that group had to fulfill their task because without that, everything else fell apart it was so hinged on getting through these sort of day-to-day, you know, necessities. And once we reached the point that we could actually like grow and control to some degree, like how much food we needed and how we were getting it, we started to pull away from that. Everybody needs to do something that fits in this. And you mm-hmm. can start to see this like growth of human spirit and character. Um, but that, also that came with it was this idea of well not everyone is going to accept that not everyone is going to feel comfortable about it and that discomfort Mm -hmm. is going to create frictions that are going to feel personal and emotional and it's going to be a challenge you know to you while you're trying to make these changes or to me or anyone who's listening who has experienced the challenge of going through change because now your emotions are tied to it. Now there's a part of you that's having an emotional reaction to the friction that this is creating with others. Why don't they understand? Why don't they see that what I'm trying to do is good? Why mm-hmm. wouldn't they support that? Mm-hmm. Um, and those are natural and honest conflicts, but they're, they're ones that are tied to the emotional response and the emotional reaction. And that uh, the hardest thing is to recognize, you know, when it's about yourself, um, and that's where I had some fun about something that really kind of caught my attention was um, uh, while I was just sort of recovering this morning and laying there like, okay, I'm going to get ready. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, I did the obligatory like, oh, I've got a couple of notifications on Facebook. Let's see who and I'm going to put a good friend of mine. Um, you know, what I won't use her name yet but I'll ask her for permission later if she's okay with it. I'll share. She shared someone else's post uh, Bear Lee, And it was this great, just a a hand or no hand, not handwritten. This is a typed printout that says, what do boundaries feel like with a question Mm. mark? And Mm. underneath it, it just has this great list. And as soon as I saw it, it tied me right to what I knew we were going to be talking about. And I thought this was just a great thing to keep in mind when, You're having friction and it's about something either you've changed or made a priority because we have things in our lives that are important and at different times they take a greater priority for what they're asking (laughs) of us or what we want to apply to them. And it says, uh, what do boundaries feel like? It is not my job to fix others. It is, it is okay. If others get angry, um, it is okay to say no, it is not my job to take responsibility for others. I don't have to anticipate the needs of others. It is my job to make me happy.
1: Mm.
0: Nobody has to agree with me. I have a right to my own feelings. And this last one really sort of brought it home. It says, I am enough. And that really just caught my attention. And I felt like, you know what, this fits really nicely. And it's part of the fact that yes, this is completely unplanned and organic and we're both just winging it based on, you know, the ideas that we've shared in an in, in email series. But that through it is also clearly this recognition among others who are out there that this is something that's important mm-hmm. and that it's going to be a challenge and that these are ways that you can prepare for that challenge and these are ways that you can protect yourself during that challenge. Um, and also that you're going to be finding your way during this challenge. Some of the answers are going to come from others and the other answers are going to come from you Yeah. about what makes you feel the best about what you're doing, mm-hmm. why you're doing it and how you're handling things. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that's, it's something that can create conflict with the advice you're seeking because sometimes in order to do it the way that works best for you, it's going to be a little different. It might be a lot different, but it's the way that, works best for you and helps you go through this change which for you is a challenge enough you don't need these other outside factors from others
1: I really enjoyed that um, last share um, with what do boundaries feel like especially the points of nobody has to agree with me and I think um, when we are changing our beliefs, when we're changing our mind, you know, let's just take out beliefs and values. Let's just say when we're changing our mind, um, about something that you once held to be true or enjoyed, um, nobody has to agree with you. It, It doesn't matter if people agree with you, you know, um, for example, you know, when I decided to quit drinking, um, because I didn't use a support system, um, you know, I, I got sober on my own. Um, and I'm not saying that to where it to as like a badge of, you know, um, I'm awesome or I'm really, really strong, but that's the route I chose. I'm, I'm a natural introvert. And when I decided to quit drinking, um, you know, I, I changed my mind on what I would be doing every single day. It started there. You know, what would my daily activities look like? And if that meant um, I'm not hanging out with certain people, like it was cut and dry, then that's what happened. And um, because I changed my mind on how I would live my life moment to moment, because that's where I was. Um, you know, I was, um, faced with a lot of dissent from people who I had been friends with for, you know, five, 10 years, because now I'm no longer hanging out with them and doing what they're doing. Um, and I think we become fearful, um, and really uncomfortable with the notion that they're not going to like it. But if we just simply acknowledge that, okay, so I have permission to change my mind, and then if we add to it, nobody has to agree with me, then it takes a whole new perspective of empowerment, right? Um, and I think, you know, one thing that I practiced, um, when I quit drinking and when I made, um, some changes from going from a corporate job to, um, being a freelancer and working for myself was I would write myself permission slips. (laughs) I
0: like
1: that. (laughs) and, And it sounds really corny, but it actually, it works. Um, so, you know, for example, um, you know, I was raised, um, my mom's Catholic and my dad's Muslim and, um, So it's very, they're very similar religions, but they're very different in their own way. And they're each rooted with their own, um, frames, foundations of how you should maybe behave or speak, um, or think, um, and you know, often, um, when it comes to first generations and in conflict with their immigrant parents, um, it comes down to beliefs, um, old world meets, meets new world, right? So a lot of conflict would come between my father and I. And sometimes before seeing him, I would write myself a permission slip and just say, I have permission to believe the way I want to, and that is okay. And just writing myself a permission slip to believe what I do believe and not having the need to explain it or justify it would empower me. Um, So that's something simple that we can do. But um, when it comes to changing your mind, I think a lot of people might naturally think of – Things that they're they're facing right now, maybe they don't like their job they're in. Maybe um, with the political um, turmoil that's happening around the world, maybe their political beliefs have changed because they've experienced something different in their life. Maybe um, the relationship they're in right now, whether it's romantic or a friendship, is no longer serving them. You know, um, I think we have to give ourselves permission to say, you know what, it's okay to change my mind. It's okay to change my beliefs because I've changed. And in order for me to live in accordance with what I stand for and what I don't stand for and to practice self-acceptance, I have to do these hard things and I have to live in accordance with my new values and my values, my beliefs are going to change. Um, I think that's another aspect of acceptance.
0: Yeah, I really do. I think, I think the things that you're, you know, comparing uh, whether it be politics or relationships uh, they're so often going to be outside. I mean, again, like we, we were talking last time, these outside uh, interactions, these outside occurrences that can, sort of impact us in a way that afterwards for good reasons, we're left questioning, you know, what we thought we understood before that mm-hmm. something that maybe we had understood from sort of, um, an outside perspective. We thought we understood because we saw it on television and because the, the distance between us and the glass seems, you know, so short that, okay, well we know or we can understand. Um, and that, when we do come in an interaction with something that, that challenges us, that puts us in a position to say, I don't think I like either what this means, what the results are, or what the meaning behind it is. And I'm sure there can be other reasons as well, but anytime you start looking in a way that that challenges and that that asks you to challenge, you know that you're sort of, you're being infected, not infected, affected and impacted by something. And also that because of that, you're not the same person you were before. Yep. You know, and that's an important thing to recognize as well is if you've been impacted by this, you can't expect yourself to be the same person anymore. And by recognizing that, you have this chance to say, okay, well, based on what I've seen, experienced or have come to a decision about now what's important to me because that's going to be the thing that I'm, you know, going to be looking at when others say, why have you changed? What's different? What's, you know, if they're comfortable enough to ask you
1: Mm -hmm. and have
0: a, a rational discourse about it because, you know, it's something that the more you start to articulate for yourself, you'll, you'll understand and you'll be able to sort of, you know, uh, depend on when you're met with this conflict and there's going to be that part of you that goes, why am I doing this again? What? Right. Like, you know, this seemed like a good idea, but right now it doesn't feel like a good idea and I should change my mind because of how I feel in this moment. Why am I not changing my mind?
1: I also think that um, when we start um, creating an awareness that, okay, my old beliefs what I used to believe don't serve me right now, or it it just don't work out with what I really believe. Um, I think what ends up happening is we might become stuck in a loop of fear. And the fear is a, a messy space of not clearly knowing the difference between contradicting ourselves Or being a walking hypocrite, right? I, I think I think that's that's what it is. And you know, if if you find yourself saying to yourself, well, people are gonna think I'm a hypocrite, I think we should dial back and say, Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. You know, let's look at the word contradiction, let's look at the word hypocrite, right? And if we take the word contradiction. Um, you know, what's the immediate feeling that comes up um, right away when you say, I I contradicted myself? And it might be something like, well, I knew something to be true in the past, but now I realize it's not, right? But then if you ask yourself the same question about hypocrite, um, I think I'm a hypocrite. I think the underlying emotion associated with that word is maybe shame or guilt. And then that's where the loop of changing your beliefs becomes messy and, and muddled because there might be these undercurrents of shame and guilt. And I want people to realize that there's a big difference between changing your beliefs and welcoming that you once contradicted yourself, but because you're changing your beliefs now doesn't make you a hypocrite. You have permission to change And as you get older and as life experience compounds, should you not allow your beliefs and your values to also change with what you know? I think that's only natural. Um, Do you have anything to add to the hypocrite contradiction kind of realm?
0: Well, actually, uh, I I definitely see the the shame factor as being, uh, you know, a crucial Uh, component something that that really drives the fear and the uh the desire to not be viewed or cast in that way um and I also feel that when it comes to um hypocrisy you're you're talking about someone who's you know either saying one thing and doing another Mm -hmm. um doing something or saying something that, you know, to be in contradictory to what they've just, you know, said moments before they, you know, felt completely differently about, you know, it's in that moment where it, it, hypocrisy has that sense of deception behind it. Yes. And I think if you're willing to ask yourself, okay, am I doing this because I believe in something or I'm doing it because I want to deceive people? Mm. You can find yourself in that place where you're saying, okay, well, I know that, my my intentions behind my beliefs are, are based on something that's, I won't go as far as pure, but is sound. And um, in my mind, it's, it's right. And also, it's not based on anything that I want to use to deceive others. It's not an attempt on my part in any way to trick others into, uh, well, into believing me or thinking something differently about me, because then I want to. Uh, bring about some ill for them. You know, you're, you're not starting from that place. And if you can recognize that in yourself, that there's no evil intent behind what you're doing, that your goal is to do something that's based on you, um, that that can be a part of, you know, that, what do I stand for? You know, and my reasoning is I'm standing for something now. And that's how I'm going forward with my intentions based on what I stand for mm-hmm. and knowing that that's not based on deception can be maybe a way to, you know, show yourself up in those moments. So where you're
1: when in your life, have you made a radical or a big change in, um, you know, simply changing your mind or your beliefs? Um, and, um, did that create conflict with people in your life?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Actually, the first thing that comes to mind is, uh, you know, I was raised in a very rural part of California at the time, um, smaller town called, uh, Tracy, California. And it, it, at the time I lived there, it was between like 20 and maybe 30,000 people, maybe less. I was a kid. So I didn't really pay attention as much. But I knew that by the time I was in high school, it was up to somewhere around 70,000 people. And the change that had happened just seemed so monumental. Um, But while I was there, I played soccer for my local high school and I made a few friends. And I remember one day I went to my friend and uh, he had invited me to do something, but we needed to stop at his house first. And I knew that he had told me some rough stories about his parents. Um, you know, that there had been a previous uh, marriage that had split. And I believe one was now a step parent. And uh, my friend and his brother weren't treated very well, but the newer kids who had been part of the new marriage um, were. Uh, he mentioned a few times that money had been stolen from him, things like that. And, and I thought it was terrible experiences for him to go through. I thought, wow, this is, this is hard. You know, I, you know I, I wish you could do something about it. You know, I, I'm not really sure what I can do about it, but you feel bad. And then he brought me to his house, and the foundation had a crevice in it. When you went into the kitchen, there was a gap, broken concrete about two feet wide, um, in some parts wider. And it was crumbling. And laid across it were pieces of driftwood and cardboard. And that was the floor. And um, going through the rest of the house, there were parts of it that were just falling apart. And later, I had some really tough conversations with my dad and with others who, you know, believe that programs that are designed to assist people, for example, the free lunches that they provide at high schools, were uh, not a good use of money. Mm. And I said, I can't agree with that based on what I saw, you know, based on what I experienced going to my friend's house. I don't know what he eats for breakfast or that he does. What I do know is if he comes to school and he qualifies for this program, he's guaranteed a meal that won't be stolen from him, that that can't be taken away from him. And I said, when the parents who I believe are responsible for this, can't take care of that responsibility, There should be some sort of option so we don't let people in need just suffer Mm -hmm. because the people who are supposed to be taking care of them won't. Mm -hmm. And that created a really, that, that became a big divide for me. It's one of the reasons why I have a lot of political views that are mine and that are in some ways a challenge to even myself because I feel like I have to choose between two large parties and they don't always represent what I want. Even if one is closer than the other, uh, I'm still left saying, but it's not enough. It's not enough for what I want and I believe. And it's a challenge even sometimes to, to go in those directions because I was raised one way and I separated myself from that sort of mindset. And the more that I separated myself, the more I found that I had to Choose when to engage with family or friends about certain topics, you know, make a choice about how I was going to engage with them and at what points I was willing to then say, okay, I'm stopping now. This is no longer, right. you know, a healthier, productive conversation for me,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but that, but that I would never forget what I'd seen and that other examples I would experience later would reinforce this idea that help is not something that should be a decision help is something that should be done. It should be given, it should be offered. And that as long as I was acting from that sort of basis, I couldn't find fault with what I felt or believed and that I was okay with associating with people that I had been raised to question, challenge, even dislike, maybe even hate. Uh, But that I was now willing to um, view them differently and support them in different ways that I never would have before based on what I believe to be that foundation, that sense of, I know that what I saw tells me this and I still believe that. And as long as I'm acting and basing, you know, my actions on that, that belief, that core sense of help should be offered. It should be given. Then I can trust that, that what I'm trying to do is is my best attempt and that if it's, something that I can do better, I'm going to learn and I'm going to want to do better because that's that's going to be my intention moving forward, you know, I'm I'm making this choice and I'm going to stand behind it whether I make mistakes, whether I maybe, you know, think someone's got the the right idea and it turns out they're wrong and I have to pull my support and find someone else who's doing it better or, you know, more in line with my principles, that's also going to happen. But I'm I'm going to continue to act from that place of Uh, what I know to be my best intention and my best understanding.
1: Wow. Well, well, that was a bit of a rant. No, no, that was a really great share. And I think the lesson is um, that you stand by your beliefs of that situation, regardless if anyone agrees with you. Boom. Like you don't need anyone else's permission to believe what you believe in that situation. Um, And I think with that notion that nobody has to agree with me when it comes to my beliefs or what I value, um, then you have empowerment right behind you. You don't need that um, approval of others. You don't need that groupthink. And instead you move towards acceptance. This is what I believe. And I'm willing to question what I believe. I'm willing to explore it. But right now this is where I'm at. Um wow. Great story.
0: Oh, thanks. Yeah. Um not always one that I talk about, but um in that moment it was the first thing that came to mind and had to trust my gut. <laughs> had to had to believe. Um we're at about uh 42 minutes in folks and, and given how the first one never got recorded, we've agreed yeah. to this 30 minutes or so. Now we're at 42. Of checking the recording making sure our sounds great so that we can come back to you and continue our conversation
1: sounds good
0: okay talk to you in just a moment tara
1: okay bye bye
0: and now we're going to take a quick break to pay some bills with this word from our sponsor
1: seth we're back
0: yes we are hi tara <laughs> hey <laughs> uh, boy i'm always uh humbled when i listen to a clip of this recording like i just did now to to make sure that our, our recent audio was saved correctly good and you sound so enthusiastic compared to mine hi <laughs> <laughs> and i'm thinking to myself okay gradually you'll you'll find a way to to jazz it up a bit my friend because <laughs> my goodness
1: <laughs> you know you, you... It, it's all good i mean most i get a, from a lot of people that um I, uh, and it's always put in a in a negative way that I, uh, have a spirit of like a teenager. Um, <laughs> whatever, <laughs> it's all good.
0: Hey, uh, if it's the one that you enjoy the most, you know, that's right, brace that spirit, right?
1: That's right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, I was wondering if you had a point you wanted to continue on with or to pick up. Um, um
1: You know, when it comes to this notion of changing your mind anytime, I think, you know, the biggest thing that um, we can do is reevaluate our beliefs and be real honest with ourselves. Like, does this serve me? So, um,
0: for example,
1: um, one thing that I struggled with a lot growing up was having a Catholic mother and a Muslim father. <laughs> um, I would imagine. Yeah. So, you know, my parents split. However, um, growing up, us kids, my younger sister and brother, we would partake in each of their religious traditions. However, our parents, um, when when they were married, they decided not to necessarily... in indoctrinate us into their own um religious practice um at the time of their union they were both respectful of one another's beliefs and um sure that dissolved but they maintained the integrity to um afford us kids the opportunity and um the exploration of what works best for us right so um which is awesome. Awesome. But growing up and into my twenties, um, I faced a huge thing and that was, um, I just got out of this really nasty relationship and I was about 21 and, um, I had moved back in with my dad to get back on my feet and finish college and, uh, and whatnot. And, I had come to the conclusion that I had for the last couple years identified as a Christian. And if I was real honest with myself, I wasn't a Christian and to take it a step further, to admit this to my mom and and her side of the family, if it was ever brought up, not that I was broadcasting it boldly, um, was difficult. Um, Furthermore, to take it a step further, then to also acknowledge to my dad's side of the family that I'm not Muslim either, um, and, and to stand firm in my beliefs with the foundation of what I am not, because I, it doesn't work with my belief system, was really difficult. Um, there was a lot of conflict because of that. And, um, I think a lot of people listening have probably experienced that, you know, if you're raised a racist, certain, um, way religiously, and then you decide that it no longer works for you, telling others when you're asked, um, can create a lot of conflict And and what I've realized over the years of standing in my own truth is that it's okay that I don't share the same beliefs as my mother or my father, but it is not okay to um, negatively um, speak out against them or allow others to speak out against me. So really coming back to that, what I stand for, what I don't stand for. Um, And it might seem black and white, but really it gives you a compass of um, integrity when you're faced with difficult conversations, right? And it allows Mm -hmm. you to really fall back on your backbone. Um, So that was one thing that was really hard for me, just to simply admit to others, no, I'm not Christian and no, I'm not Muslim. And then the mere fact then comes of the question, well, what are you? And I also think that when you're in a process of changing your beliefs or at least becoming more comfortable vocalizing your new um, foundation, your new set of your beliefs, your values, whatever they may be. I think we also have to be very mindful of who we share that with, Um, because not everyone is going to fully listen, fully accept without attacking or, um, negating your beliefs. Um, at least that's what I've really learned. Um, and on our break, I came across, um, this idea of, um, surrender also is, um, needed when you change your beliefs, um, because, If we don't surrender to our new beliefs and into what we really, really believe, then we we live with fear. And I came um, across this uh, quote and it says, um, the Lord Buddha has said that we must not believe in a thing said merely because it is said, nor traditions because they have been handed down from antiquity nor writings by sages, nor on the mere authority of our teachers or masters. But we are to believe when the writing doctrine or saying is corroborated by our own reason and consciousness. Um, hmm. And that's something that I think is really relieving when you hear that, right? Like it's, it's again, another permission slip. <laughs> so um, I, I, I certainly wanted to throw that in. And maybe wrap up that, this notion of we can change our mind anytime we want, you know, just because we wanted to grow up and be a doctor and we find out when we're 25 that I really can't stand blood, it's okay. Or that (laughs) I'd rather not go to college for X amount of years and not see my family after college um, and so on. You know, it can come down to some major life changes or really simple things that impact our daily um, habits.
0: I agree. I also, since you brought up the permission slips, it just made me uh, wonder because I, I thought of the question when now that you have, I can't let it go. Um, <laughs> did you, you know, because you knew that some situations would be stressful Yep. Or a situation in which you needed a permission slip. Let's, per, mm-hmm. let's uh, kind of cast it in that light. Um, did you, in those situations, you could write the permission slip in advance, anticipating. But yes. to start your day, did you ever have any where you just sort of said, okay, I'm going to do my you know self-assessment this morning. And based on how I'm feeling, I'm already going to write myself two or three permission slips for swearing or maybe taking <laughs> a sharper tone than I need to. But then apologizing <laughs> for it later or you know what i mean like did you almost kind of like preface and then if you didn't because other people might be like wait 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 wait, with these permission slips how's that work
1: right you know? right
0: um and and also this idea of well then do you have any general ones that it's just a good idea to have a couple of these permission slips in the pocket written down kind of logged away so that you can say yeah there might be something i'm not expecting and if that happens, I've got this permission slip kind of in my, you know, in my reservoir, in my little uh, backpack or uh, back pocket. And sure. I, I've always got that sort of backup. So I was just curious, just for a little segue there, just a little um, mm-hmm. side tangent, you know, what, what you can just say about how the permission slip works for you. Sure, and, sure. And...
1: Well, I think when we think of a permission slip, at least for me, when I first started doing this is – um. I'm naturally a rebellious person. You tell me to jump. I don't say how high I say, excuse me. You know, I'm, i that's just how I am. Always have been. Um, and that's okay. Um, so this notion of a permission slip really fed my inner rebel, right? And one of the most basic permission slips I found myself writing when I got sober, when I quit my corporate job. Um, and still to this day, is that um, it's okay to not always agree with other people. I think that in itself is empowering because how many times do we bite our tongue and say, mm, "I don't really agree with that," but I just I'm not I'm not willing right now or ready or have the energy to even have a conversation, a decent conversation to agree to disagree. And if we peel it back a little further, then maybe many of us are going, I don't want to be seen as an outsider. Right? I'm fearful that I won't be accepted if I hold these beliefs or if I don't agree or if I don't go with the flow. So, When it comes to permission slips, I write down things that I naturally want to rebel against. Um, And and that is, um, that works for me. Um, And I also um, write down permission slips by um, permission slips specifically that allow me the opportunity to let someone know that, you know what, today I'm just, I'm not doing Okay. And we'll have to, you know, talk about this or do this another day and giving myself permission to really tell people that today's not a good day and that's okay. We'll, we'll discuss this another time. Mm. Um, because I don't want to live in a place where I'm superficial. I don't want to say, um, you know, yeah, I'm okay. Yeah. How are you doing today? I'm okay. That doesn't work with me. Like if you ask me, how I'm doing. I'm going to tell you how I'm doing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I want to do that. I, I strive for, I'd rather have more meaningful in deep conversations than filling the void with superficial um, weather talk, if that makes any sense. But when it comes to permission slips, I think what you really need to ask yourself is not what am i feeling but um what feels lacking in my life mm. right? okay and and with that reflection you know what feels lacking in my life maybe you can um just start writing down things that um maybe create conflict and start writing a permission slip to to yourself i mean today um, if I were to write a permission slip, um, it would be today, I have permission to go slow. I have permission to take time to rest and I don't need to explain it away. Boom. Hmm. That's my permission slip for the day. Um, what, what would your permission slip be?
0: Ooh, my permission slip. Hmm. I think one of the first ones. Um, is I have to give myself permission, uh, especially when it's something that I can really sense happening or I know, uh, to not worry. I need to give myself permission to not worry. I'm a planner. I like planning. I don't like those planner things when they were a really big deal in the 90s. Everyone had like a thick black (laughs) planner and it was like, you know, with the tabs on the side. Um, I had a roommate in college, he was a graduate from Cornell, um, very, you know, uh, very analytical mind. And he swore by, he actually told me he took a one day course on how to effectively use the the planner. And I was like, I don't understand committing the kind of time that you're asking to do that. Like, it just doesn't compute with me, but I do like to sort of know what I'm doing in a day and how to prepare Mm -hmm. for it. Uh, little things. Like if I know I'm going to be out of the house at work, I like to bring my own coffee. I, I usually have one or two little reason. miss things that'll keep it hot for a long time. Microwave it if it gets cold, but that too many times I'd show up at some job, a uh, new place, uh contract work. And one of the things that, Oh yeah, we got coffee and stuff like that. You know, don't worry about anything. You get there. And they're like, Oh man, we finished all the coffee. Sorry. I'm like, okay, look, I'm here to work and I need my coffee to work. And I don't like that. Now I have to figure out where do I get the coffee? How often am I going to have to go to, you know, it gives me almost that sense of comfort of like, you know what? That's fine. I brought my own, I'm covered. That's not going to be something that affects my workday. It's something that makes my workday more enjoyable, makes me more comfortable It's part of my ritual. Um, And I've covered it because I've got my own (laughs) and it can be other silly little things like just sort of knowing that Mm -hmm. I've got two dogs I like to walk them three times a day, nothing long, but just to make sure they get steady, periodic breaks. Um, And that if I'm going somewhere that evening, I have to anticipate what time I'll be home, when I should walk the dog, so it's not too much time between when I walked them uh, earlier in the day and when I walk them when I get home from wherever I'm going. Little things like that. And sometimes uh, when there's a change in the plans, when something from left field suddenly throws my day off course, I can really start to worry, you know, like, oh, okay, how am I going to do all this stuff that I need to do? It's like, well, you only <laughs> need to do it because you decided you were going to do it. You can also decide how you're going to do it. Maybe something you can let go of, you know, and maybe mm-hmm. just sort of give yourself some breaks here and there and yep. remembering not to worry about things that are really only important to me. Um, and, and won't really impact others terribly, you know, that they'll only mess up my plan. It's okay because, well, it's my plan, which means I can modify it, <laughs> adapt it. And if I'm willing to, I can, I can give myself a break when not everything I thought that was going to happen is going to happen. Hmm. Um, and I like that idea of, of keeping in mind the permission slips because I know... I don't think of it in the way of a a slip, but I'll sort of give myself an average for a week sometimes and say, hey, you know what, buddy? You've been doing a lot of writing. You've been doing a lot of recording and interviews. or You've been doing a lot of this. Today, you're going to catch up on some really dorky television. You're going to watch some embarrassing superhero shows, maybe even a (laughs) movie that makes you a little weepy and sad, you know, gets you all emotional. And you know what? You've earned it. You've, you know, for whatever reasons I'm dictating, you have earned this, and I'm giving it to you. And mm-hmm. uh, a lot of times it's, it's you know, uh, well, what, what if I didn't earn that? You know what? Because you're going to make it up later. <laughs> Just trying to remind yep. myself that there's a reason why yes. I need what I'm, I'm looking for. And even if it's, yes. you know, not some profound reason in the moment, I'm clearly trying to recognize, you know, some part of me is saying, take it easy. Give yourself a break.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And I think that's the notion of the permission slip to um, afford you the opportunity to really give yourself your own version of your own version of soul food unapologetically, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Like it can be something as simple as doing something that you really enjoy without feeling guilty because you know, you're, you you should have, would have, could have to do list is just growing, but instead you gave yourself permission and That's it. That's it. Or it can take another flip side to the permission slip. um, And I use it this way for empowerment and more for Mm self-acceptance. You know, Um, I give myself permission to, you know, when I first became a yoga teacher, um, I'd worked at some, some yoga boutique studios where everyone was dressed you know, head to toe in aloe yoga and look like these Instagram yogis. And I'm not that I'm, I'm a tomboy. (laughs) And I found myself fitting this mold and trying to like put on heavy makeup before I went and taught yoga. And one day I was like, Oh, permission slip. (laughs) I give myself permission not to wear makeup while I teach yoga. I give myself permission not to actually do my hair before I teach yoga. Mm. I give myself permission to show up as I am, which is complete and whole, and to do my thing, and, and that's it. Um, so I use it really primarily for empowerment, um, but you can use it in so many different ways. Sure, for acceptance, for forgiveness, um, rest, <laughs> forgiveness. Exactly, exactly. Forgiveness for yourself, forgiveness for others. I mean, there's a myriad, and you know, I think this would be a really cool opportunity for anyone listening who's intrigued with the permission slips to maybe email Seth or I and like. Literally, email is a picture of a permission slip, Hmm. and um, it would be great to read them. Um, We can share them anonymously or tell us if you don't want us to share them. I think it'd be great to see what other people are using this notion of permission slips um,
0: for. I agree.
1: And how it helps them. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Great great idea.
0: Um, I'm not jealous at all that I didn't come up with it first. Not at all. But it's a really good idea. I like it. Um, If it's okay, I wanted to move on to something else that caught my attention about the the email and the ideas that we were talking about. And um, it was the one about uh, going back to the idea about uh, as we get older, our life experience compounds and that that will lead Mm -hmm. to this challenging of our belief. Um, And there was something I really enjoyed about that because I'm also a big big fan of uh, Joseph Campbell. He's the uh, gentleman who wrote um, Hero with a Thousand Faces, but he's more known for this concept called the hero's journey. Yep. Yeah. And it's something that's been tied to Star Wars very popularly, especially when he was doing a video series with like PBS. And um, he would draw these parallels between the characters in Star Wars and his hero's journey, but also how he used this hero's journey to kind of connect this idea of uh, a shared connection to all of the belief systems that we've been raised in and that have been part of societies that no longer even exist now. And one of the things I really enjoy about the book is that near the end, he starts to get to this idea of like, so what What, what does this all mean? You know, I've given you all these stories. I've tracked down myth and history and given kind of these broad overlays, but what does it all come down to? And what he really starts laying into is the idea that As an individual, you're a fraction of a whole. You're part of this community, this group. And that in so, your role is different throughout the different stages of your life. Mm. And what's important to remember is that there will be times when you will be asked to be a hero, to go on a journey that's perilous and that will ask things of you. But that that's not the whole scope of your life, that before that you were a child. And when you were a child, you were a brother or a sister, you were a son or a daughter, you were a niece or a nephew. And that later, after you've gone through a couple of stages, you start to recognize uh, as you look back that you've become now a teenager, a preteen, if we're using all the different terms that can be used for different stages of life. Uh, a young adult, a, uh, an adult in their 20s. And along that way, your transition takes on things like you become a brother or sister-in-law. You become a wife or a husband. You become an uncle or an uncle. And if at some point you have children who have children, you become a grandparent. And in all those different roles, you have changed the identity that you were to become part of this new thing. It's based not only on your age, but of the things that come with age of the changes that are Mm -hmm. going to naturally occur. And that recognizing that is sort of recognizing how you're part of this bigger whole. And I love that. He even says, you know, in his lifetime, a person, you know, is, or is not necessarily the craftsman, the tradesman, the priest, the leader, the thief, the wife, the nun, the harlot. He cannot be all in one moment, but he has, this range of possibility to be all in the course of his lifetime. And I I really just enjoyed the idea that when you mentioned how that compounding changes, how it was something that Campbell was talking about, because when he gets to the end of the hero's journey, he's like, really, it's all about psychology. It's all about the way Mm -hmm. our minds come to understand things. And mythology was a way that healers and teachers from the past could relay things in a story form that taught the lesson that provided the healing or the knowledge that could allow you to progress through whatever you needed to, through, through that stage of your life. But that the next test came with that next change. And with that next change, you know, the responsibilities, uh, the acceptance of those roles, they allow you to then make these changes that you're already, you know, one, unconsciously making, but then to do them in a very conscientious way. And it was really powerful for me reading that to think about the fact that, yeah, actually, um, I'm a godfather to some friends who had children when we were, you know, in our early 20s. I'm an uncle to my sister's three kids. Uh, Since I've been married, I'm now a brother and sister in law. And (laughs) I'm an uncle uh, to to more kids. Um, I'm a brother and sister to more people. And that through that change, I'm not the same person I was when I was just a baby, mm-hmm. when I was just a boy, um, and yet I haven't lost any of those things, you know, whether my parents are here for another thirty years or I lose them at some point along the way. I'm still their son um, right. I'm still the brother to my sister, and that through these changes I've unknowingly changed, and that there shouldn't be this great difficulty in recognizing when you need to knowingly change as well. And that, you know, it's part of this growth and development. And that when you were talking earlier about this idea of how we're viewing this and how we want to kind of expand this idea that starts with just us, it's, it's something that we can kind of take to heart with the knowledge that, yes, this is going to happen anyways. And these are the the ways I want it to happen. And that I can have a a role to play in that. I can also participate in what type of a person I want to be as as I get older. Um, And I like the idea that that when we were talking, uh, not only about beginning talking about this, but as we've been talking about it, that part of the self-acceptance is that change is going to come. Um, I, yeah. I won't be able to run as fast as I used to someday. I might not be able to run at all. <laughs> and that's something that will be part of my acceptance. And it will also be part of a transition as I go from that person who used to run, who now does something else with that time.
1: Right.
0: Right. Um, and
1: I think you've just wrapped it up beautifully. <laughs>
0: Well, that was that was huh. not my intention, but I, I appreciate that, that that's the, the place we've reached. Um, did you have anything you wanted to, to add on that or should we really make that the, the ending?
1: Well, I think we could talk hours and hours <laughs> about it. Um, I think how we've connected acceptance with the notion of accepting that there's change and that change also includes how our beliefs change because of um different periods in our life different roles that we play different experiences that we have um is inevitable um i think that's half the battle is realizing this not fighting it and going with it right like the the notion of wu wei Um, so
0: (laughs) I love that you use Wu Wei. Um, (laughs) I, I had to explain that once in a religions class and Taoism really took a place in my heart when I learned about it. And I remember that a teacher then challenged me, he said, Mr. Singleton, what is Wu Wei? And I thought I'd be cute (laughs) and just give him the, you know, the Taoist translation. I was like, well, it's to be without being, to do without doing.
1: He goes, yes, Mr. Singleton,
0: I know what the translation is. Would you please tell me what is Wu Wei? And I'm like, okay. And it was great because in that moment, it's like, think quick, be on your feet. And I said, yep, yes, sir, Wu Wei is brushing your teeth. And he goes, you've got my attention, keep going. And I said, all right, you don't think about brushing your teeth. You don't think about picking up the toothbrush, rinsing it off with water or applying the toothpaste. You don't think about adding water, if that's what you do, to the toothbrush after you've added toothpaste. You don't think about putting it in your mouth, brushing your teeth side to side or up or down. You don't think about scrubbing your tongue or the roof of your mouth or if you spend so much time on your left or your right side. You don't think about spitting or rinsing your mouth afterwards. You brush your teeth. And he was like, nice, good job. <laughs> and uh, I love that you brought that up because I, I, love, I love remembering how that, that moment I had to define it, and in defining it, it, it really became this very real thing for me. Ah, Wuwei, good example.
1: That's a gr- that's a great example. I've <laughs> ne- wow. Okay, okay. See, I always imagine um, a com- the a, the common story about Wu Wei when it's explained to us Western folks of imagining a leaf that is in a stream that is in the stream is trickling down the mountain. And that leaf is just riding the current down and it may um, come across a log and the leaf might be stuck up against that log for quite some time, but it's just hanging out. That's what's happening. And eventually the water sweeps the the leaf underneath the log and it continues on its journey and it's going to bump the shores. It's going to hit the rocks, but it's just going to continue flowing. And to me that represents that you can hold out your hand And openly accept that the universe, your God, whatever will grab your hand back and you can either fight it the whole time or you can just openly dance Mm. and you can take that with your, your life, you know, and I think we could just imagine that dance with our beliefs. Okay, now I believe in twirling rather than, you know, sidestepping. I don't know, (laughs) you know, um, and just easing into things versus creating more um, unnecessary resistance. I think that's what, I think that's what the real reason why I wanted to bring up that you can change your mind anytime. Um, So it gives you permission to let go of resistance or the notion that you have to justify why you believe what you believe now. Just, just own it. It's harder. It's easier (laughs) said than done.
0: (laughs) Definitely. But I love the image. I I think that might be the the more enduring one of uh, the leaf on the water. But also um, your phrasing of dancing with our beliefs, you know, instead of wrestling with them or fighting them um, to dance with them instead, to share space with them and yet know that as a dance partner, it's not required for us to step on each other's toes. Right. actually for us to move in rhythm with each other
1: mm-hmm. and that
0: if you can move in rhythm with your beliefs uh, those are beautiful images They're really nice <laughs> i'm gonna suggest we wrap up with that not only <laughs> the beautiful image of the leaf resting on the water but of dancing with our beliefs and who knows maybe people will send us pictures of themselves dancing with their beliefs hey <laughs> there we go There we go. Um, I'd like to just take the moment to say thank you to everyone who's been listening today. We hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as we have. And we're only really going to know when you let us know. So please don't hesitate to reach out to the emails and addresses that will be following this recording. And uh, that's for questions, comments and everything else that you want to include.
1: Well, thank you everyone for listening and thanks Seth for, uh, this collaboration. This is great.
0: My pleasure. And I'm just going to go ahead and give us both a little bit of a rah-rah and pat on the back. We started out with the sense of this is something we need to do. And (laughs) now that I've done it, it's kind of like the workout I was dreading or the the task I had to, you know, obligate myself to finish. I've done it, and I feel better for it. I feel better and more informed and more encouraged for our next recording.
1: You too. Thanks for showing up.
0: (laughs) My pleasure. Thank you for joining us too. Hey, (laughs) you too. Um, Thank you to everyone who's with us and we look forward to talking with you again soon. Bye now. Bye. And now we're going to take a quick break to pay some bills with this word. From our sponsor. To read more content by Tara Masan, you can visit taramasson.com or send her an email at tarataramasan.com. At to reach Seth Singleton, you can either visit his website, Seth Singleton Storyteller, or contact him by email at Seth Singleton at gmail.com. All of this information is available through our podcast link. And also uh, on the links provided to our websites. And I'm going to encourage you to keep an eye out. Tara Masan will be starting her own podcast soon, Healthy Living Radio with Tara. And I'm just going to encourage you to keep your eyes out for her upcoming podcast. And thank you again for joining us today. Thank you again for listening to Storytelling with Seth. Whether you're listening on Anchor, Radio Public, Breaker, iOS, Google Play, or one of the many other platforms available, I appreciate you taking the time to listen. And if you're one of those generous supporters, thank you. If you didn't know, you can support my podcast while you're listening to this recording, feel free to take a look for the link that says to support me, which should be a really simple little button. And if you're having any trouble, don't hesitate to reach out and let me know, and I'll make sure that I'll do my best to help. But your listening, your continued support is what makes these podcasts possible, and I couldn't do it without you. So, thank you again not only for listening, but for your generous support and for all the different platforms that you listen to Storytelling with Seth. I look forward to sharing my next story with you soon.